We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, Chargers fans, welcome in to another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and with me as always is Jason. Jason, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, just got back from a run on this very windy and weirdly cold day. Um, I think it's like 74 when I went out to run, and it was 5 o'clock. So that's just a weird experience. It's like a, a cold spell happening in the Central Valley right now. Yeah, it was definitely weird. It was like 107 degrees on Wednesday and Thursday, and then today was it was nice and chilly. Not complaining. You know, 70 degrees is like the perfect day for me, so it was just definitely a little random. Uh, you know what else is random is someone calling a Chargers podcast a bunch of bandwagoners that will find a new team in, in 10 years. So, you know, that happens. Shout out to whoever that listener was uh, that gave us that review. Uh, at least you're listening, so thank you. Um, to, and thank you to everyone else who has listened to us as well. So today we are going to be doing something from our Patreon account. Uh, anyone who supports us at the $10 or $20 tier gets to suggest topics for us to cover on podcasts, and that's what we're going to be doing today. Uh, so we received a message from Bolt Lounge, who uh, gave us some interesting topics to cover today, and that's what we're going to be doing. Um, he's inferring and, and kind of asking about what would be a worst-case scenario kind of situation. So if, like the Chargers are sitting at the bye week and they're three and nine or something like that. Uh, what would you do in these kind of situations? So his first question is from our projected starting lineup, assuming the not so great season, who are your guys top five players? We would likely trade away. Uh, so you can rank them if you want Jason from most likely to kind of a wild card one. 
Uh, but he's asking for five players that we think the Chargers could theoretically offload in terms of of a terrible season and, and disaster strikes again. Like, who would you trade away to kind of get some draft capital back from other teams? Justin Herbert, Rayshon Jake. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I won't go there. So, so we're starting this off with the player we most likely believe to be, yeah, like a possibility of being traded, right? Right. Okay. And so, this is a little bit of an interesting question because Telesco hasn't really been known to trade his players away. Um, it doesn't happen right. very often. Hasn't happened. Uh, no, just occasionally with like a Dontrell Inman right. or, or a player of that level, where it's like you know we don't really need this player, so I'll ship him away for a six round pick. I even forgot like about that, that one. Um, and they traded him to the Bears, right? Which was yep. useless because Dontrell Emmett's not a tight end. <laughs> they only like tight ends. They like Allen Robinson and 12 tight ends. That's You're it. Right. Uh, trade him Virgil Green. There you go. But for the most likely to be traded, and it's not that I agree with it. I just think it is a very large possibility um, for two reasons. One it's a position that the chargers have a little bit of wiggle room with, with like Joey Bosa and Uchenna and Wosu. So there's a little wiggle room there. They can afford to lose this player. I wouldn't say afford to lose him, but it would be easier than if they were to give away Hunter Henry, for example, because there's nobody behind Hunter Henry to take over. That you feel comfortable with, for right? Sure. And so that player is Melvin Ingram, and again, it's just going into a contract year, and they're already looking to pay Joey Bosa. You got Yuchena and Wosu sitting back there, who I don't believe is a reliable option, but is a flashy player. So it gives you a little bit of wiggle room. You have you're comfortable. I'm not comfortable, but the Chargers might be comfortable with trading Melvin Ingram if they're having a really bad season. And honestly, better players have gotten traded for less. So if you're they're having a bad season and they decide, you know what, it's time to part ways with Melvin Ingram, I wouldn't it wouldn't be the end of the world for me. I would get it. Um as long as it's not a situation like where that player just wants to leave cuz he hates everything. So Melvin Ingram is my first choice here as not first choice, but the one I believe is most likely to be traded. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. He was the first player that I, I thought of as well. You know, I've been firmly on the board of like, I don't want to see him traded. I think he still brings a lot of value to this team as, as a player and as a leader. And like you mentioned, Uchenna and Wesu is flashy and like he does make splash plays, but right now I'm not comfortable with him being a starter, but if the Chargers are, th- are sitting at three and nine or four and eight or whatever right before the trade deadline, and they're like, you know what, we're going to offload some veteran players, and if they could get maybe like a third round pick for Melvin Ingram, I'd be, I'd be okay with it at that point because really there's not much to play for when you're sitting in a terrible se- uh, season like that. Um, the second guy that I actually thought of was uh, Hunter Henry, who you mentioned already, because. From a standpoint of he's always been injured, he there's maybe not a, a clear long term future for him, and maybe there's just no there's no chemistry with Tyrod Taylor or Justin Herbert that the Chargers would feel comfortable bringing him back. So he's a guy that I think would carry a lot of value. You know, there's always just this uh, perception around the league of of his potential, 
and the kind of player that he could theoretically be if he's able to stay healthy. So if the Chargers, again, are, have disaster strike and have a terrible season, you know, Hunter Henry is a guy that I could see be traded as well. So Hunter Henry is my third option here. Uh, so it puts him right in the middle of whether or not I think he would get traded. And the reason I lean more towards him being a possibility is next year's tight end class is insane. It's so good. Insane. Uh, Kyle Pitts is a, is a good name that's coming out next year. And it's best tight end prospect in a minute in a minute. Now you always got to be careful drafting tight ends though, because it takes them a while and it's hard right. to project them going to the next level. Usually you see late round tight ends be more successful than early round tight ends. It's just a, what the way it works. I don't know. I don't, I don't design the tight end position. I don't know what happens there, but the reason I would lean towards them not doing so is because the chargers are kind of defined by that tight end position. Yeah, that's true. You got, um, you got Antonio Gates that was kind of like the guy before Hunter Henry. And he's this, he's like this, a staple of the chargers franchise. Tight ends are very important to this team and this organization and to this fan base. They love their tight ends. Every time a new tight end hits the team, like Ladarius Green right. or Hunter Henry, they're loved. Yeah. The team, the fans love those players. So tight ends are very important to the Chargers, which is one reason I would think it can't happen. But it absolutely could. Say he like pulls a hammy in week two and he's back by week six or so. And they're just kind of in a bad spot, losing out, whatever the case may be. Maybe they're like two and four, two and five, whatever. And so they think, okay, well, we got we to gotta move on from Hunter Henry then. And I could see it happening there. If you're sitting at two and five, Hunter Henry has been hurt four out of the seven games, then I could, I could absolutely see Hunter Henry going. Yeah, absolutely. I think... You know, there's so much up in the air with his contract situation and with his health that that it could make sense for the team to move on from him. Uh, if if it comes to this again, you know, this is not us saying we think this is going to happen. This is just us answering the question of like, if the Chargers have a have a terrible start to the season, like what could theoretically happen? Um, you know, I want to bring up right here, like it would be tough for me to imagine them trading someone like a Brian Balaga, a Trey Turner, a Chris Harris, someone that they just brought over and and invested it, it some money in. But someone who I could see happening is is uh, center Mike Pouncey. And you bring up the depth situation of Melvin Ingram, and that's very similar with, with what the Chargers have behind Mike Pouncey and Dan Feeney or Scott Questenberry, preferably Scott would, Scott Questenberry would be the starter if Mike Pouncey were traded. Um, but Pouncey still has a great re- reputation around the league. He still carries a lot of uh, veteran swagger or presence with him and so i think that the Chargers would could see a nice little offer from from mike pouncey who is who is a free agent coming up and and honestly i don't think the Chargers will be able to afford to keep him and i don't know if they should we've talked about that several times already but yeah i'm a believer in scott questenberry or dan feeney um you know we both really like dan feeney and tyler uh, pegged him as his breakout player before so I think the Mike Pouncey could definitely be traded if the Chargers have a bad season. Yeah, with Mike Pouncey, it's just about availability. Towards the back end of his career, he's had hip issues since he left Miami. And they do have right. options behind him. 
uh, Questenberry, Feeney, uh, even even Lamp could take over. I mean, there there's a lot of good, not good, but there's a lot of developmental interior O-line behind Pouncey. Right. So he was number four. I don't think he's likely to be traded. I, I do think he's likely to be un, unsigned heading into next offseason. I think they'll let him go. Uh, I, I don't yeah. know that they'll trade him. It could happen. Um, but bouncing all the way back to my number two and who I believe could definitely be traded. Absolutely. Is Desmond King. And for one, they basically signed his replacement in Chris Harris Two, They had problems with him last year in terms of, I believe it was character. I think Lynn said it was a character issue or it was a, uh, yeah, he broke team rules or something. Got like that. you. And so that that's just another thing. He had a down year, and he he was kind of a troublemaker on social media too. Uh, he's constantly calling out fans, constantly saying things weren't his fault. Uh, I, I don't know how many people remember this, but I actually said on Twitter, I, was, I, I pointed out a play during the game, and I said, that's Desmond King's responsibility. Desmond King then basically subtweeted me and said people that think that that was my fault don't know what they're talking about and anthony lynn like four hours later to um said in a in a post-practice interview or whatever yeah it was king's fault that was against the dolphins yes right? it was against Devonte parker and so after after all that trouble that king gave fans on twitter lynn basically came out and said yeah it, it was his fault so yay King's just been King was not on my good side last year. So I don't I don't feel bad about this. But I still I still love Desmond King. He's such a fun player to watch. Um it, it's just it was an unfortunate year for him. And now now I think it's our wild cards, right? Are we already to our wild card picks for tr- trades? Yeah, so we can talk about that. I do want to mention with Desmond King, I think like you mentioned his replacement already being on on the team potentially in Chris Harris, but just in general, someone in the secondary is going to get the short end of the stick and it's probably either going to be him or Nasir Adderley, unfortunately, because the the coaching staff loves Rayshon Jenkins. Um, They're not, they love Michael Davis and Michael Davis is going to start. And I think maybe he sees a snap reduction with Chris Harris playing outside a little bit, but it's certainly not going to be Casey Hayward. I mean, maybe, Um, but Casey Hayward is going to be the starting corner almost regardless. So it's either going to be Desmond King that gets the short end of the stick or Nasir Adderley. I can't imagine them playing Elohi Gilman over either of them, but one of those two is not going to play as much. And so, you know, if they're sitting in a, in a rough spot and need to offload some players and again, Desmond King is one of those guys who's a free agent and maybe they decide not to bring him back next year. So trading him would, would make some sense. Um, so yeah, we can move on to our wild cards. This is, this is more, uh, as Bolt Lounge says it, out of the blue with some context. Um, that player for me is actually going to be Casey Hayward, who I think is criminally underrated around the league. I think he's a top five corner, but he is getting up there in age. And like I mentioned, they, the team loves Michael Davis. You know, maybe Desmond King comes in and balls out, and that makes Casey Hayward kind of expendable a little bit with Chris Harris and Desmond King and Michael Davis. So, Again, this is a wild card, totally out of the blue. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Casey Hayward uh, is going to have a very good season, and you know they're going to 
be able to play some more man-to-man coverage this year, which is good for him. Kind of uh, get some more targets thrown his way. And I think Casey Hayward is going to have another really good season. Uh, go to the Pro Bowl, possibly be an All-Pro type player. And yeah, I think Casey Hayward is safe. But if there's someone where that is like totally out of the blue that could be traded, you know, I think you, Casey Hayward's arguably one of the better players on the team and could fetch more of a trade return than any of the other guys that we, that at least I have talked about yet so far. So yeah, Casey Hayward would be very unfortunate if he got traded. Extremely so. Right. I'd be very upset about it. Uh, I'd probably cry. Sorry. I would lose a little bit of my everything. Um, <laughs> I just, I love Casey Hayward. The second he was on the team, the second he was interviewed, I was just like, I love this guy. He's great. And yeah. I can't wait for him I to get Casey. on the field. And then I think it was the Jacksonville game against Blake Bortles where he snagged two interceptions. And I was just, I've always been in love with Casey Hayward as a charger. I think he's, I think he's a great corner. I think he's criminally underrated. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that think he's still just a zone corner and this is just not true. He's a, he's a very well-rounded great corner and it would be such a shame to see him go. But I do understand the thought process there, and I do think it is a very, 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 very slight possibility that they're just like, you know what? We got Michael Davis. We're good. <laughs> Which yeah, that would suck. Would be the worst. Um, also, side note, I really want them to put a Casey Hayward jersey up for purchase Please? already. Like, it needs to happen already. I've been waiting for a Casey Hayward jersey for so long. I asked my um, girlfriend for my birthday. I was like, can you just get me a Casey Hayward jersey? I don't care where you get it. Just, just get it. She's like, I couldn't find one. And I was just like, that's that's just horrendous. That's blasphemy. What in the hell? Chargers, NFL, get your crap together. Honestly, you can you can go buy a Storm Norton, Norton jersey, but you can't buy a Casey Hayward Are you Hayward kidding jersey. me? No, he's up on their shop, dude. He's like one of seven players on the team. It's like Derwin and Joey Bosa and Keenan and... You know the um, the two first round picks, Herbert and Kenneth Murray, and then if you scroll down some more, you you'll see Storm Norton there. What? The Chargers yeah. know something we don't know. <laughs> Storm <laughs> Norton's gonna be a starting left tackle for them. They're they're set franchise left tackle. There we go. But yeah, it is unbelievable that there is no Casey Hayward jersey on the NFL shop. Right. That's just ridiculous. Uh, you're talking about a top five corner in the league that still does not, still does not have his jersey available, which just I hate it. Anyways, moving on to my wild card player, and this is probably more controversial than even Casey Hayward. Uh, I think it would be Mike Williams as the wild card option to be traded. Okay, and this is mainly just. You know, there's a lot of speculation to it. There's just these are wild card picks for us. There's not a whole lot of context here. It's more of you have Keenan Allen on the roster. You just drafted two receivers that I, I really like the picks, uh, especially with KJ Hill, who is a fantastic route runner. And it's just Mike Williams is going to want a lot of money. Keenan Allen is probably going to have upwards of 20 million a year in his next contract. Do you really want to spend 35 million a year on two players, two receivers? I don't know. So 
Mike Williams could be an option here of somebody who could get traded if the Chargers are struggling. There's also the factor in what if Terod Taylor or Justin Herbert just do not have good chemistry with Mike Williams. That could factor into it. So with all with all those in mind, I would say Mike Williams could be a wild card to be traded. I again, I, I doubt it's going to happen. I think he's I think he's solidly on the roster for a very long time. I think both him and Keenan are going to be around on the Chargers for the next few years, especially with these new quarterbacks on the team. But just just a wild card option there. No, I definitely could could see it as a possibility and and this brings up an interesting point it is you know, we've talked quite a bit about the value of the receiver position and how that has kind of changed over the course of the last few years and really evolved because even you can look at the Chargers where you had Vincent Jackson and Malcolm Floyd and you had all these guys, you know, even Keenan McCardell who were were really known for just go up and get it type plays and and now, you know, the arguably we're we're watching the best receiver in Chargers history who is not that player he's a separation route running specialist in Keenan Allen so it's just an interesting thought process to go through because you can find a guy like Mike Williams every so often like those those type of jump ball players are a dime a dozen and and you can't find a guy like Keenan Allen like there's maybe four or five guys in the league who can really run routes at the level of Keenan Allen but you look all around the league and there's a dozen or so Mike Williams. So that's just an interesting thought process for sure. Right. And it's just, there seems to be like a, um, I talked earlier about how, how fans really love the Antonio Gates tight end type role. The, the Hunter Henry's, the the Darius greens, the Antonio Gates. It's the same way for jump ball receivers. I've kind of noticed your Denario Alexander, Vincent Jackson, uh, throwback Denario Alexander, heartbreaking, um, Mike Williams type receiver. And the the fans really love that. Dylan Cantrell is another example there, to where <laughs> you know we see, yeah, tight end Dylan Cantrell over in Arizona. We all know him, and it it seems to be something that we see as Chargers fans, uh, myself included. I'm at fault for it sometimes, where I see a receiver go up and make a jump ball catch, and I'm just like, oh my god. Now, start him now. It needs to happen. Artavis Scott made a jump ball right. catch in the preseason. I was like, wide receiver three right now. and um, <laughs> <laughs> Which he probably should have been the wide receiver three to start off. But whatever. That's probably that's, that's a long time ago. And that was a fun experiment, too. Um, and so people have kind of assumed, Chargers fans have kind of assumed that Keenan Allen's not going to work out well with Terod Taylor and Justin Herbert and Mike Williams is. And I've gotten this a few times. I know a a few of you have asked me about it. And so I'm going to answer all of you at the same time here. Keenan Allen will probably help Justin Herbert and Terod Taylor more than he helped Phillip Rivers. And people have told me a lot like, well, it was the the, the anticipation throws from, from Phillip Rivers that made Keenan Allen, which yeah, I'm sure it helped. But anticipation, Philip Rivers' strength for a lot of his career was knowing how to throw to those deep ball receivers, those 50-50 jump ball receivers. 
And, you know, I remember playing Madden 09 or whatever it was. And that's all the analysts talk, talked about is they're like, Gunslinger, Philip Rivers, knows how to throw to Vincent Jackson 50 yards down the field or whatever. That was the first thing I ever knew about Philip Rivers was that he can throw it deep and he could get it to Vincent Jackson. Yeah. So, you know, for as long as I remember and as long as any of us can remember, it's been Philip Rivers with a receiver like Vincent Jackson, Denario Alexander, that type of receiver. And Malcolm Floyd is another one I should mention. I can't believe I haven't mentioned him yet um, because we all love him. And I can't help but just wonder, like, Keenan Allen was the first true separation receiver he had that worked out. And, Stephen, you and I were talking about this a little bit earlier. You had Buster Davis. I think his name was actually Craig Davis. And you had, um, like, Eddie Royal for a moment in time. But Vincent Brown being another one, those guys didn't work out. They didn't. They couldn't find a chemistry with Philip Rivers. And it's a little surprising to me that they think that, that fans believe Keenan Allen and Philip Rivers were perfect together. When, if you look at the history of Philip Rivers, they really weren't perfect for each other. I think they were just so good that it just happened to work out for one another. Yeah, that's an interesting thought because Philip Rivers. You know, like you mentioned, even with a guy like Danny Woodhead or Darren Sproles, someone that relies more on anticipation, like they did good, but it was always more of the jump ball guys. And then, of course, you had Antonio Gates gobbling up targets over the middle. So um, that'll be interesting to watch. I personally agree with you. I think Keenan Allen is going to be great for whoever is starting at quarterback over the next few years because you want guys that can get open. That's always going to be the name of the game is someone that can get open. And, you know, Justin Herbert didn't really have – a jump ball kind of guy at Oregon. So we don't, we haven't really seen him have success with that kind of guy, but you know, Dylan Mitchell, his junior year uh, was really successful with Justin Herbert because Justin Herbert had that trust. He had the ability to throw with anticipation with Dylan Mitchell and who coincidentally also wore number 13. Um, but yeah, I, I think that Keenan Allen, you want to have your best player on the team and the best player on offense in intact. And, and that's Keenan Allen. So uh, we're going to move on to the next question, uh, which he says, I'm a big Anthony Lynn supporter, but if the Chargers move on from him at the end of the season or mid-season, who are some coaching candidates internally and externally that you guys could see the Chargers potentially targeting? So Bill Belichick. Start... <laughs> yeah, they're going to bring in the GOAT, just like they did with Tom Brady. Oh, wait. They didn't. Um... <laughs> so we can start with internally first. I think that's an interesting conversation. Um, I'm not going to suggest this guy because I personally don't want to see him be the head coach. And that's Gus Bradley. I think a lot of people would kind of assume like he's the veteran coach in the, in the fold on the staff now because Ken Wisenhunt is gone. Um, but we've seen him as a head coach in Jacksonville and I don't really have any interest in, in watching that unfold again. So if he was an interim head coach, I'd be okay with it. Um, I do not want to see Gus Bradley as the head coach of the Chargers, though. I think, you know, kind of having a guy like him really, it doesn't make any sense in the NFL. I think he's a coordinator. And I, I don't think he's a great coordinator, but I think he's a solid coordinator at this point in his career. I'm okay with him being the defensive coordinator, but I am not okay with him being the head coach. Um, so, Jason, who would be one? 
that you would be interested in seeing as the head coach internally. Just a note real quick, making Gus Bradley the, the head coach of the team would be like handing him the lever for his own guillotine. <laughs> it would be awful. It would just, it would not work. Uh, anyways, so I'm going to start with an internal option here. And I think a lot of people are going to agree with this one. I think everybody loves this coach and it's Ron Miles, the DB's coach right. for the chargers. Ron Miles just has continuously put together good players in the secondary. And he has made players that had no business being capable. He's made them capable. So that's, that's just a very easy option there. And you think to, veterans that he has kind of like revitalized in his career as well brandon flowers casey hayward are two of the bigger names next it's probably going to be chris harris who had a little bit of a down year last year and if it'll just continue the trend if chris harris balls out in 2020 so you can't really blame him for for players that haven't worked out very well like jalila diet free safety or brandon face on in his first few games or Mike Davis ever. So you can't really blame him for that kind of stuff. But he has had his moments where it's just you you look back and you think, wow, this dude knows how to coach DBs. And we saw it with the progress of Brandon Faison last year. You know, those first few games, it was awful. It was the worst thing ever. We could not believe our eyes that Brandon Faison would just give up a 10-yard curl over and over and over and over and over again. The the same curl or five-yard hitch, Brandon Faison would just, he'd be like 15 yards downfield while they were catching right. a curl route. And they're just like, oh my God, this man. But towards the end of the season, I was really impressed with Brandon Faison's coverage. I was always impressed with his tackling. He's always been a really good tackler for the Chargers. Uh, that special teams role that he has, obviously, has chipped in there but you know in coverage too I was really surprised late in the season I we've talked about it before but we mistaked him for Desmond King so many times in that last stretch where Mike Davis was out I believe it was due to was that injury or suspension that time no that was when he had his PED suspension right right so like there were so many times we mistaked him for Desmond King and because that eight was sometimes very confusing from a certain angles and, you know, you just see, like, a receiver would catch a five-yard out and they'd get smacked. And I'm just like, that's that's awesome. This man was awful in the first couple of weeks. And now he's actually – he actually looked legit in those last couple yeah. weeks. He, I thought he was the second-best corner on the team over Desmond King and Mike Davis. So we'll, we'll see what happens there as well. But Ron Miles definitely deserves a lot of credit for the development of his DBs. And if I had to pick an internal option here, I I wouldn't pick Chris Bradley for reasons that we have discussed. It didn't work out in J- Jacksonville. I think Steichen's a little right. young, but we'll see. It could happen. Like maybe he's a genius uh, like Sean McVay or something, and it's just our luck that he goes to like New England after Belichick retires and creates this amazing dynasty. But... Ron Miles is definitely the option here that I like the most. Otherwise, you know, grab a new head coach externally and just have Ron Miles be the new defensive coordinator. Yeah, I, I think even that would be a really good option. Um, I guess this really comes down to what kind of head coach 
you prefer as a fan or, or just as an analyst or whatever your your role as a football fan is. Um, you know, right now you see the guys like Sean McVay and, and uh, Shanahan up in San Francisco who are the head coach, but they're also the offensive play caller. And then there's guys like Anthony Lynn, who's more of just a general leader who has a say, obviously, but he's more of a, a CEO who kind of manages the team and the personalities and bases base everything on relationships and and leadership above everything else is what Anthony Lynn is known for. So I think Ron Miles could definitely be that kind of head coach. I think he's well well known for his leadership ability and, and the way that he builds relationships with his players. And, you know, Chris Harris came to the Chargers because in large part because of his relationship with Ron Miles. So that kind of shows us how Ron Miles goes about his business and, and how he handles building the relationships with players. Um, you know, you mentioned Shane, Shane Steichen. If he has an amazing year in the Chargers offense, is humming on all cylinders all year long, then yeah, maybe I could see that happening. But if the Chargers offense is humming on all cylinders, then the team's likely to be doing good. And right. then Anthony Lynn would still have his job. So if the Chargers do move on from Anthony Lynn and they decide to keep it in-house, I think we're both on the same page. It should be Ron Miles. So obviously this all depends on, on the coaching carousel that would happen, but uh, did you have anyone externally that would uh, that you would like to see potentially coaching the Chargers? So yeah, I have a little bit of a two-phase plan here. Okay. And it they both involve the Oklahoma Sooners. Oh. So first off, I'm, ass- I'm assuming if it's another bad year, they're just going to clean house. Maybe they keep Steigen around, but I think they're going to clean house with Anthony Lynn and Gus Bradley if things really go bad. I don't see them keeping Gus Bradley like that. So I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, if it, if I have to pick externally, so I'm not including Ron Miles in this equation, they go and hire Lincoln Riley as head coach. And Love we it. don't know if Lincoln Riley wants to be in the NFL. This is just somebody I would be looking out for. And, you know, I think it's who everybody looks out for. There's a couple other names yeah. out there that are – like more low key, but can definitely are definitely capable, but every team should be going after Lincoln Riley and the chargers should not be excluded from that. If you have the opportunity, you go try to get Lincoln Riley. You have a, you have all the weapons that Lincoln Riley could want as well. Um, and you know, you don't really need Shane Steichen in that case either. So if you really do clean house, I mean, it's not that big of a deal because Lincoln Riley is going to come in and, be that um, he's going to bring his playbook. And I think with a guy like Terod Taylor or Justin Herbert, and then you got Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, I think that playbook would work really well with them. And for the second phase here, and a lot of people might be confused by this, but you can't really blame them for it. And Kenneth Murray has said before that, he never felt like he was actually coached before these guys on defense came in. So I'm going to suggest Alex Grinch comes to the chargers as a defensive coordinator. He's the defensive coordinator for the Oklahoma Sooners. So I think there is the, just bring both of them over. Right. I think there's the opportunity that Lincoln Riley says, you know, come, come along with me to the chargers. Let's see what we can build there. And I know, I know, he's the Oklahoma defensive coordinator, and Oklahoma has a very questionable <laughs> defense. Right. Um, 
that's just I found, you know, watching and scouting these players for the last few years, I found that no matter what you do in that conference, they're just going to suck, man. There's nothing you can do about the defenses. Right. They're just going to suck. It is what it is. You can't fix it. And no matter what they do, they've tried so many things. I I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I would love to somebody make a documentary about the defenses over there because it's just awful. It's awful. (laughs) Tell me why somebody needs to do the science. Tell me why the defenses there are so awful because Alex Grinch is not a bad defensive coordinator. He's not. It's just everything goes wrong when it could possibly go wrong. Right. And it's like, you know, Clemson or Baylor or whoever decides to throw a fade route. Well, that very play, that corner just so happens to make a mistake and gives up the fade route. That very same play, they could have thrown any other route, and it would have been fine. But no, just the timing was wrong. They threw the fade route, and everything is fluffed. And that's the story of those defenses, man. It happens all the time. I just don't understand it. Yeah, It's like Murphy's Law out there. or It's just <laughs> awful. It's awful to watch. I'm, I feel so bad for them. You have... There's actually a lot of good talent on that Oklahoma defense, and just There's a lot of good talent. Just something happens out of the blue, where you're just like, "What? What? How? How? How did that? Oh, that corner messed up that thing. That shouldn't have happened just because of that, unless they called the perfect play. But they did call the perfect play, so it it is what it is. I've learned to just accept it that it will remain." mediocre forever and it is not anybody's fault except god's god has deemed oklahoma's defense as unworthy so right really outside of tcu that whole conference is is not very good defensively so that is a good funny point i wonder what tcu does what does tcu do maybe we should look into this a little bit what do they do that changes up like how they operate compared to other defenses there. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I, I would love to pick someone's brain about that. Um, so the, I have two guys that I want to bring up here. Um, you know, both of them are going to be offensive type uh, head coaches. I think, you know, traditionally when you have a, a young rookie quarterback and there is a coaching change, usually the team brings in an offensive minded type player, you know, or type coach, you know, we've seen that with Sean McVay and, and Kyle Janahan and, and other situations like that. So the first guy that I would bring up is actually going to be Byron Leftwich. Um, Byron Leftwich, as we know, uh, was the player for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then he uh, worked with Bruce Arians for a long time in Arizona and now in Tampa Bay. And, you know, Bruce Arians has been known as, as a kind of a quarterback whisperer, and he speaks very highly about Byron Leftwich's ability to do the same kind of thing. And so... I think it would be really intriguing to get a guy like Byron Leftwich who is really known for his ability to, to mold a quarterback and bring a quarterback's development up to par to how uh, the team wants it to be. So I think that would be an interesting one. You know, I think his style of coaching fits Justin Herbert very well with um, with just the kind of quarterback that he is looking for. And then the other guy I think, you know, I think this guy should have been hired after this past season. Uh, it's Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. I think it was really a travesty that no one hired him this past season. I think, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how that dynamic works out this season. But, you know, similar situation with Andy Reid, the quarterback whisperer of all quarterback whisperers, and 
Eric Bieniemy has been able to to sit and learn from Andy Reid and and hopefully that some of that has rubbed off on Bieniemy and I think it has Patrick Mahomes loves Eric Bieniemy and I think Eric Bieniemy would be a fantastic addition to any coaching staff and he's a great leader there's a lot of players around the league who really respect him for him for his ability as a leader and I think that would be a fantastic hire as well I like this plan go hire Bieniemy then go hire Casey's QB coach. <laughs> and then Patrick Mahomes hits free agency, and you're like, hey, we got there all you your go. coaches. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but then you have to pay Patrick, Mah- Patrick Mahomes the $100 million right. a season. Just offer, just offer like $20 million a year, but all the catch-up he could want. All the catch-up, yeah. You get 100 ounces of catch-up a day. While you're at it. Tell Andy Reid that you will put a Whataburger in the team's facility solely for him. It'll be the door next to his. Right. And, you know, just or a nice barbecue place, whatever, whatever you got to do, just make it happen. Yeah, I think the enemy is going to get a head coaching job after this season. I mean, it has to. It should have had one last year. Yeah. He, I think he, him and uh, Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator for the 49ers, I think those two are going to be like the, the hot names after next season. And Robert Sala would be interesting as well for the Chargers because the Chargers have so much talent on the defensive side of things. Um, but at the end of the day, I think my personal fr- preference would be someone that could come in and really bring Justin Herbert along to what he needs to be. And so I think having a defensive head coach would kind of be counterintuitive to Justin Herbert's development. You know, we've seen that historically in the league. Whenever a defensive head coach comes in, the quarterback generally takes a step back. So I think if the Chargers move on from Anthony Lynn, I would like to see them bring in an offensive-minded head coach. Maybe they keep Shane Steichen around just because of familiarity, and maybe Pep Hamilton stays as well. Um, But I think if they move on from Anthony Lynn, I would really like to see them go in in more of an offensive-themed direction at head coach. So you want an offensive coach? Yes. Well, Norv Turner and Mike McCoy are available. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't think Mike McCoy counts because he ran halfback dives 73 times a game. Yeah, that was awful. Um, technically, it was Frank Wright, or Reich, however you say his name. True. But true. he doesn't have that problem anymore. So, who knows? All right, guys, that'll do it for another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And thanks to Bolt Lounge for the topic suggestions on our Patreon. We know times are tough right now. We do really appreciate all of your support, specifically on that app to all of our Patreon supporters. Uh, As little as a dollar gets you some pretty cool opportunities for giveaways and the chance to look at some of our film studies over the summer. You know, I've been really busy with that. I know Jason's going to jump in there as well. So thank you for all of that support. Thanks for listening as always. You know, we know times are tough around the country, like I mentioned with the coronavirus and with all the the police brutality issues. And so we thank you for tuning in and making us a part of your week. Uh, please go and rate and review us which, on whichever platform you are listening to us. And again, we do really appreciate all that support. For me, you can follow me at Stephen I. Hagland. You can follow Jason at Centauri13. And we are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so make sure and search us up on there for all of your Chargers news and information. Thanks for tuning in.